0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Caspar. Diego Maradona is the third film from the Academy Award-winning and multi-BAFTA award-winning team behind Senna and Amy. In this brilliant follow-up, Asif Kapadia captures the athletic brilliance and the maddening duality of Diego Maradona, a soccer player widely considered to be the best in the world from the moment he burst onto the scene in his native Argentina. Constructed from over 500 hours of never-before-seen footage from Maradona's personal archive, Diego Maradona is crafted in the same style as Senna and Amy. Joining us to talk about Diego Maradona is the director and the producer, Asif Kapadia. Welcome back to Film School Radio. Thanks, man. Good to be here. Good to be talking to you. Yes, as well. Asif, as a filmmaker, I'd love to hear about your journey from Senna to Amy and now Diego Maradona.
1: Um, I mean, Senna, when I originally made Senna, uh, which I think started way back in like 2006, um, it was a one-off. You know, My background was in making fiction films, and so it was a one off documentary. It took a lot longer, and it was much more difficult than I thought it would be. And so when I made it, I was really happy with it. I got offered lots of other sports films, um, and I kind of passed on them. I was like, no, I don't think I'll be doing this again. Funnily enough, it was around that time that the uh, Maradona project was kind of first uh, came to me. A uh, producer approached me at the time, and I was just like, I, I, I've just done a film about a Brazilian kind of sporting icon. I don't think I'm ready to go straight into the Argentinian sporting icon. So actually, I, I said no. I went off and I did a few other things. And then Amy came along. And Amy was uh, kind of quite a personal film. I, I'm a North Londoner. I lived in and around Camden for about 10 years of my life. And so the story felt like a, a film about my hometown and somebody who I could have gone to school with, perhaps. And it became, you know, that became quite a personal journey of telling that story of everything I love about living in London, but also some of the worst aspects of living there to do with the press and the tabloid press in particular and so then after Amy came out I did something else I did a part of the Mindhunter TV show for Netflix for David Fincher and then Maradona came back and I guess I'm I suppose what I have to explain is I'm a big soccer fan big football fan I grew up watching football playing football and Maradona's been there all the way through my life he's like the best player of people from my generation of my age and so when the opportunity came. It did become a, well, if I'm gonna do a third documentary, which is sort of dealing with a similar era and also the kind of pop cultural characters, Senna being a racing driver, Amy being a singer, Diego Maradona being a football player. I thought what was interesting was he's still around, he's still alive, so if I'm gonna do a third film, it's gonna be a bit different. His life is very long, very complex. He's famously very difficult and tricky to get close to, but I had the opportunity to meet him and interview him, which would be a new challenge. So then I thought, okay, let's do it. And it felt like they were all part of the same family. They're kind of siblings, similar but different. And and Maradona, as it transpired, is part Ayrton Senna as a Latin American sporting icon, but also part Amy. You know, he's quite vulnerable. He has issues with addiction. But he's also his own person and quite different in other ways.
0: Right, and I'm trying to uh, recall with Senna, but with Amy, the similarity in that they came from... Not a lot of money. They came from a poorer situation. You don't remember? Uh, s- actually,
1: funny enough, the three of them all quite different. Senna does okay. come from a wealthy background. Yeah, he comes from a wealthy, educated background, and he's in the sport of Formula One, which is the sport of the most mega wealthy billionaires. Yeah, you know the, the races take place all over the world. Um, they, they all live in Monaco. Um, so he he comes from quite kind of a high class family background particularly in Buenos Aires. Amy, I would call quite middle class yeah. in England. She wasn't wealthy. She wasn't poor. Right. She had a good education. She's you know, sang jazz and got into hip hop. And so she's quite kind of what we would call in England, quite middle class. And then Diego is very poor. So he's really from the, kind of the bottom of the social structure. He comes from a slum, essentially like a favela type place, and rose to the top and becomes this godlike character. So the three of them, have In a similar kind of way, they become very, very much the top of their, top of their world, top of their kind of arts, um, and prove themselves. And then each of them has their own kind of struggle with yeah. the establishment and, and suffers from it. But it came from very different backgrounds. Yeah. I'll say.
0: yeah, I guess what I was trying to get to is they all seem to be um, driven uh, and exceedingly passionate about what they were about. Uh, and that passion carries over in the case of uh, Diego Maradona into his his two personas that are described in the film. There's the Diego which everyone loves and then there's the Maradona which is which is the the uh, for sh- for the show if you will and the person who drives everyone else crazy is that is that fair to fair mm-hmm. way to put it?
1: Yeah, in terms of Maradona, definitely that's that's what happens to him. Yeah, he he almost creates this character to deal with fame and the press. And supposedly, you know, this came from his own personal trainer, from people close to him. You know, he somehow for a while balanced the two and was in control. But the further he went and the deeper he got and the more famous he got, perhaps, and the more out of control things get, the more he becomes the ego And the the kind of nice, sweet guy that everyone really liked and remembers, which in a way our film opens with, became more and more distant. And he almost loses that character. And so what was interesting making the film, I felt almost like I'm spending time in Dubai interviewing Maradona and meeting this guy who's 57, 58 years old at the time. But I'm actually making a film about someone else, about this young kid, Diego, who arrived in Italy in Naples in 1984, and that was, that was interesting. You know, I'm making a film where I'm meeting the real person. That I'm, for the first time, I'm getting to talk to them and interview them. But I'm actually making a film about another character who I'm not in the presence of. Right. And maybe the person I am meeting and talking to is not the most reliable narrator, even though it's their own life story.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, it comes across. Uh, the film is very intimate at times uh, about... Uh, his life and how easy it is for someone to be pulled in so many different directions. Uh, But I want to talk about, sort of give some historic context to Diego Maradona. It's hard here in the United States to understand just how popular and obsessive fans are about football or soccer, as we call it here in the States. Uh, and where Diego fits, and you described a little bit about your own perception of him as, as growing up, but where does he fit in into the kind of pantheon of sports figures in soccer today? How would you say I he mean, is? I mean, in terms You're... of
1: soccer, he's the bridge between people like Pele, people would have heard of, and who did actually for a short-time play here in the U.S., you know, but considered as the kind of best player in the world, well, Maradona's up with Pele. And Maradona, though, is the bridge between Pele, who kind of, for people like me, is like, almost like the black-and-white generation mm-hmm. of playing football. The key thing with Pele is he didn't go to Europe, which is really, you know, where football is. The most difficult leagues are. The best players in the world go there. Maradona did go to Europe as a young kid, and he's the bridge to people like Messi and Ronaldo, who are the megastars now. You know, 200 million followers or whatever on Instagram. Well, it's because of Maradona that they can be the people that they are. Um, In terms of sporting icons, Maradona around the world, um, he's like one of those guys up there in like kind of Muhammad Ali-esque, you know, Michael Jordan. You're talking about people who are so big. You could go anywhere in the world and they'd know who Diego Maradona is. Right. Um, partly because of who he is and what he did on the pitch and off the pitch. You know, right. He's he's famous because he's brilliant, but he's also because he's controversial and very anti-establishment. He says things that other athletes just wouldn't say because they'd be worried about losing their sponsor deals. You know, he didn't care. He didn't give a... <laughs> you know, he would just do and say what he wanted to do, which is partly why a lot of people love him. Um but it's also, you know, there's just something about him that makes him kind of bigger than a sport. We also talk about football, which is, you know, it's the world sport. It is the biggest sport in the world. So therefore, all of Asia, Africa, Europe, Latin America, and more and more, North America, you know, it's the biggest sport in the world. And he is like the biggest guy of recent generations. He's still going, creating chaos. Any day, you look him up on Instagram, you look him up on, on the internet, there'll be something happening somewhere in the world, which is Maradona really.
0: Oh, is that right? Still to this day, there really aren't that many American uh, sports icons. I you mentioned Muhammad Ali. I think you could go anywhere in the world, and and maybe not as much today because it has been a few years since since he was Muhammad Ali. So obviously he's gone now. But
1: yeah. I mean, he's the, my hero. You know, he, he he for me is the ultimate sporting person who transcended their sport in a way that very few people really do because of what he stood for, because of what he did because of the kind of changing of his name, because of not wanting to find Vietnam and losing his best year. So, you know, no one really, I think, can compare to Muhammad Ali. But Maradona is seen by many to be on that level. That's how big he is, because, you know, this is the guy gets banned for drugs and ends up hanging out with Fidel Castro. And you know he will hack out with these kind of world leaders. He's the guy that the Pope will call up, saying, can I get a picture with. You know, he's on another level. You cannot imagine how huge this
0: guy is. Yeah, and by the way, I I agree with your assessment of Muhammad Ali. In my in my world, he's the greatest, most significant athlete uh, in, of, of my lifetime. So I, I'm I'm with you on that. And, and it, it, there there is something about. The uh, these sports figures who are supremely talented, who work at their sport, who give themselves over to their sport the way that people like Diego Maradona does and and Muhammad Ali, but are also there there's something so magnetic about their personality and the way that they carry themselves and the, the sort of the embrace of life, if you will. And that certainly for me fits what that's what I see in the film uh, Diego Maradona. Is that is that a fair? Uh, yeah. But
1: I mean, it, yeah. I, I, I'm always drawn to kind of very anti-establishment figures. And so that's, that's the thing about Nick Maradon is he is tricky. And, you know, he, he would, like I said, he would do and see things. He would, you know, his whole thing that's in the film is like football is a game of deceit. The whole thing is about lying and cheating, which actually a lot of sport is. I love that turn of phrase. But that, so that's the way he played. And that's, a lot of that is to do with the fact that he's a street guy. He came from a really poor place. You know, he came from a home with no electricity, no running water. They lived, you know, in a shack, eight of them, his whole family in one room. And from that, he becomes one of the most famous people in the world. And the challenge is how can you get to that place at the top and not go crazy when people adore you and love you so much and let you do whatever you want to do? And, and along the way, he's always had a big mouth. So He's always talked and said things. That, you know, athletes now just would never say, like I said, because you say one thing against a particular country in the world that might be giving you a lot of money, and the whole league was suddenly shut down. and say, no, 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 you can't say that. That's terrible. We'll lose our deals. <laughs> he didn't care. No. He didn't care. He took on everyone. And that, you don't get that anymore. Well, People don't do that.
0: Right, and I, I don't want to give too much of the film away in terms, by the way, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Asif Kapadia. He is the director, and am I right, the producer as well, of uh, Diego? The
1: executive producer on, on this.
0: And and executive producer of the film Diego Maradona. The film is currently running on HBO, and uh, I'm looking at some listings here. It's the next screening I see is on Friday, uh, here in the West Coast uh, on HBO for it. So uh, look for it. It's it's uh, it's on HBO and probably on HBO Demand. I on demand I would assume. So. Um, well, there's, there's a couple of things in this film because he goes from his home country of Argentina. He goes, to, as you mentioned earlier, to the Italian League who went to a, what was apparently the worst team in that league, uh, Napoli, uh, and was able to resurrect them and really bring them to uh, an un, unmatched glory, certainly for their team history. But there's a really interesting part. And I, I, again, if I don't want to give too much away, but this... there. What I liked about him, as much as he was a, uh, this bigger-than-life character, there is certainly a part of him that seemed very sensible and very grounded. Um, and that's the Diego part, I guess, is what, we're, is what I'm describing.
1: Yeah, he was a really, he's very sweet. He's got a lovely smile, lovely eyes. He's quite fun. He loves to sing and dance. He was a real good teammate. So there is a side of him that's very likable and lovable. And then there's the edgy side of him. And and the key thing about this guy is he will go to he was willing to go to one of the poorest teams in in the Italian league at the time in the 80s the Italian football league was the toughest in the world there's probably never been a league anywhere like it since or before um, because all of the best that's where the money was at the time all the best players in the world played in Italy most of them go to the teams in the north of Italy Milan Turin. Naples, which is the poorest place in Europe at the time, probably. One of the highest murder rates in Europe at the time. There's a big gang war because there's a huge kind of issue with um, organized crime down there. And, you know, it's the kind of place that was a no-go area at the time. Right. Highest murder rate in Europe. Diego Maradona, the most expensive place in the world, goes to Naples. Yeah. And somehow fits in perfectly because he's in his element. He's a street guy, and he likes to be hanging around with street guys. He'll go off, he'll play, everyone adores him, but then at night he'll go out and do what the hell he wants to do. <laughs> and because he's in a place that's so happy just to have him, they let him do whatever the hell he wants to do. So he talks about literally how a typical week in his life would um, go. Um, he's never talked like this before, so to get him discussing that, a lot of it is, you know, like I said, you hang around with the underworld, you do the things that they do. So that's what made him kind of switch in a way. That what starts to change his life, and that's what makes him also so unique because he did live this double life during yeah. his career when he was at the peak, when he was the best player in the world.
0: Right. Well, and you're right, and I'm sorry, I've been saying Napoli. I meant to say Naples. Thank you for correcting me on that. Uh, the thing, I, the, the, the end of, I believe, the first championship he, he won, there's this this moment where I think there's sort of a realization of he, he talks to the president of the, of the team, of the club, and says, I, I want out. And I thought that was just so, the fact that it's you get I mean, it captured through the through the video we see sort of the those moments of him talking to the uh, to the president. I, I thought that was very clear eyed by him. It didn't. And I don't want to give much more away about the story, but I thought that do you think in those moments he sort of understood that this was this was better for Diego to leave than it was for Maradona to stay?
1: Yeah, I think, I think there was a moment where he realised he was losing himself and he was getting in too deep and he did want to go and he felt like he'd achieved everything. And most people don't dispute this fact, you know. They're, they're like, you know, he, 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 he'd gone as far as he could go with the team. He knew he was in trouble. He wants to leave. And this is a very particular moment in time when the clubs had all of the control. So if you had a contract with a player, you own that. Now that's all changed, the players are, have a kind of freedom to travel and leave a team whenever they want as um, as someone will pay them off. So he, he knew he was struggling, wanted to get out, and the club are like, nope, we own you, you're, you're going to stay here, because as long as you stay here, we've got a chance to keep winning. And so that becomes a challenge for a lot of athletes, and particularly for him, was kind of the battle between um, your professional life and your personal life. and so. Yeah, that that moment is a quite a special moment because it's confirmed by the owner of the club, who I also interviewed. And yeah. it may be worth mentioning, the film's done in a similar stylistic way to Senna and Amy in terms of it's all, it's all archive footage from the time. So the idea is to kind of immerse you in the period with this amazing photography that was shot by the, these two Argentinian cameramen, followed Diego Maradona around during the peak of his career. So. These tapes were shot, but never, ever seen by anyone. So we found them in a, in a kind of house an hour outside of Napoli, um, and half of the footage was found in Buenos Aires in a trunk, so they were, they're kind of like over 30 years old, and no one's looked at them since. And we were able to get these tapes and construct the movie out of that. So you see footage from the period, um, which I find you know, really throws you very, very close into the story with Diego. And I do audio interviews, so you hear the voices of all of the characters, right. including Diego Maradona. Right. Cuts with the imagery.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, it, it, yeah. I thank you for pointing that out because it's stylistically, as you said, very much like Amy and Senna. In fact, to the point where the opening scene reminds me of the opening of Senna because in both you're they're in this car, you're, and with in Senna it's insane because you, you see. What it takes to drive one of those Formula One cars at the begin. Oh my God, that was just nuts to watch that. But in this, it's like a Fiat or something or a Yugo or something. They're racing around. This Tra- is
1: more like French Connection. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is more like kind of the casting. I mean, it is it is crazy and scary, but it's and it's and it kind of brilliantly kind of sets the tone because you're not quite sure where you're going, but mm-hmm. we whiz through the early years of his life. right? And undercurrent for the film, when we were making this one, for me, Senna was like an all-out, he was like a spiritual action hero. Yeah. And um, Amy was a musical, you know, the idea of a kind of emotional musical about love and all of the good and bad things that can come out of falling in love with a wrong person, essentially. Um, and in this case, this is the feeling, I wanted this one to kind of almost have a feeling of like Mean Streets or something, like an early Scorsese film. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of tone. These guys are oh, – he's an athlete, and he's surrounded by kind of soccer players, but he's also a street guy, and, and they will always be street people. And so it has got this energy. So that idea of French connection or just kind of movies and people looking a certain way of that period of the 80s, that, that's the vibe of, um,
0: well, you've got that great music, even at the beginning, that very '80s movie uh, music going on as as we're racing through the streets. It's just, yeah, yeah kind of
1: Giorgio Moroder style, y- yeah, y- '80s disco.
0: Right, right. And I I don't know how far into the project you were be- when you found this footage, but it I would imagine this, the discovery of this footage was like I am in, I am I am all in now because that this is. Boy, you've, you know, in terms of your films, the ability to find or be uh, in a position with Santa Amy and now uh, Diego Maradona, this footage is just, you it's unimaginable just as a filmmaker, right? You, you couldn't recreate this or simulate this in in their in the lives of, of people, generally speaking. It's just a, a gift, some of this stuff that you've got in here.
1: It's a big part of the decision making process for me when I choose a character is one, I've got to be kind of interested enough in this person to want to spend three years working on their life, you know, minimum of three years often. Um, But also there's going to be a way to visualize it, to make it feel cinematic, to make it watchable. Um, And you don't always know, It's it's an instinctive feeling that you have to go into the project thinking, do I feel there's going to be enough material? So with Senna it started because I knew we had access to the Formula One archives and I was looking at the footage saying, it's all here a really interesting way to make this movie. With Amy, it was a guess. We didn't know whether or not there would be material and it's only by befriending her, her old friends Nick Schumansky, particularly her first manager, who had shot this private footage yeah. that really makes the beginning of the film. That's when you hang out with Amy and you hear how funny she is and how witty is and how incredibly talented she is because it's the rawness of this um, really early kind of home video footage that, that makes you fall in love with her, really. On Maradona, It was because i knew that these cameramen had shot this footage and my producers were able to do a deal in order to get the footage that's one of the reasons i wanted to do the film because i didn't want to make the film about the guy who he is now really there's a lot of stuff being said about who he is now or who who he has been for the last 20 years of his life i wanted to remind everyone of the, the footballer the amazing character the guy who had a most unusual body shape but was so incredible on the pitch and to just go back to that younger younger figure that, in a way, because he's been so controversial in the latter period of his life, people have forgotten um, who he was before. And so, yeah, that that's a big part of the process of why I choose certain subjects, is I've got to be able to show you the story. I don't want it to be led by talking head interviews where people try and explain who this, why this guy was great or why he was so interesting.
0: Right. And And I want to thank you for that, because... I have not been a soccer fan. Um, I I mean, I'm a drive-by soccer fan, but when my interest has peaked around the, the time of the World Cup and the last couple of World Cups have been much more interesting, I think part of it is because the United States has been, at least the women's team, has been a little more relevant to what's happening. So that interest in it and what I knew of Diego Maradona before I saw your documentary was The kind of the guy who was on definitely on the downhill slide and in a lot of trouble. And I I didn't under I mean, I understood that he was an icon and uh, one of the pivotal, um, you know, footballers of all time. But I didn't quite get it to to understand until I saw this just what a dynamic and powerful player he is uh, or was in his peak. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, just as a sports. That's cool, show. that's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> You're, uh, well, and I uh, th- thank you so much. I I I think um um, the, all three of these films are terrific. This is a terrific film. It's on HBO now. Check it out. Uh, called Diego Maradona. Uh, can I just tell you how much I absolutely fell in love with Amy Winehouse? And that's again, I, I have you to thank for that. Uh, and Senna is just such a compelling, wonderful, magnificent person. I just all three of these people. You've you've by the time you're done watching these three films, you just are, you feel such a connection. But I'm, in, I'm still in love with Amy Winehouse, so thank you for that. So
1: That's okay. I am too. I have to say, you know, it's an interesting thing that you say there because I would say I fell in love with Amy and with Ethan Senna making those films. Diego's a very tricky character. He's much more difficult to fall in love with. He's someone that you kind of you like and you get close to and you think you're amazing, but I don't know if I want to hang out with him.
0: Thank you. Because, exactly, you did a thorough and beautiful job of giving us who Diego Maradona is and was and all that. But Amy is just, she she broke my heart <laughs> to this day. Anytime I see any part of that film, I just, it, it I just it's the what if. you know, just I, hear the music. You know, yeah. It's
1: very difficult to hear her music without feeling so much, you realize how deep it is and how honest it is and raw. And, uh, and she was beautiful. And actually... Particularly here, I remember just the, the kind of negative idea everybody had of her before yeah. we yes. made the movie, and yeah. that always kind of becomes partly the motivation to tell these stories. Is yes. like you think you know these people, but actually you just know the tabloid persona. There's so much more going on under the surface, and nobody grows up wanting to be, you know, suffering from addiction. And, yeah. and having all these problems brought out in the public eye. Well, there I'll, are other people underneath.
0: Yes, absolutely. I'll, I'll let you go, but uh, just one last mo- uh, comment, and it's sort of an aside, really. Uh, when I saw Lady Gaga in um, A Star is Born, I, I couldn't help but think how much of the the look and the feel of that character was sort of an Amy sort of vibe to it. And that's just my observation. I think...
1: I think um, yeah, I think Amy has had a big influence on lots of people. There's another one, um, the Judy Garland film, um, which has just come out, and I think Senna has had a big influence as well in so many ways on on other films and documentaries. So that's one of the things, kind of, quite I'm kind of proud of. You <laughs> should,
0: it should the way be.
1: people are kind of revealing other stories and using them in movies. But I, I definitely think there's an influence
0: that yeah. you
1: know that's come from
0: these movies. Well, Asif. Capadia, thank you again for coming and joining us here on Film School Radio. Your films are wonderful. I can't wait to see what you're coming out with next. And so if, if the spirit moves you, I'd love to have you back on any time, any place. Thank you again for, for spending time here with us to talk about Diego Maradona.
1: Thanks, man. All right. Take care. Bye. Take-